Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 32 of a series of episodes called Leading Others to Christ. During these episodes, we'll be focused on evangelism. And one of our goals, and, and we have many, but one of our goals is to stir us up, to stir us up to love and good works, especially in the area of reaching our family or friends and our neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. Franklin, for those of you that don't know, Franklin, Indiana is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis. For those of you that know me, know that I'm passionate about evangelism, and I have been ever since I heard the truth and obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in, in Owensboro, Kentucky. And ever since then, I like to read and I like to study, and uh, but I've, I've been striving to learn how to teach others. Uh, I'm going to use some Bible phrases here to, to learn how to sow the seed, to learn how to be a, a fisher of men and, and women and to teach others to teach. And I always remember what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously to faithful men and women, who will be able to teach others also. And then later on in that same chapter, Paul uses this, and I've always liked this statement that he made, to be useful for the master for every good work. So with that background, I came up with this idea of to, to identify those Christians that are out there, both men and women, those fellow workers who are reaching and leading others to Christ. And once we've identified who they are to interview them like this, and we want to learn more about them, we want to learn who they are, why they're so motivated to lead others to Christ, how they're doing their work, and, and where they're currently working and, and worshiping. So we are so excited today to have with us someone I'm confident we're going to learn a lot from. And I say this every time, though, if you're listening, get out your pad and, and pen and make some notes now. Uh, because we're, we're honored to have with us today Sister Linda Mercier from the Dallin Road Church of Christ in Beaumont, Texas. Welcome, Linda. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Glad to be with you. <laughs> well, it's a, we, we appreciate it so much that you came to be with us. Now, now we have uh, uh, Max Dawson, who we interviewed last time, and then a future one that we're going to interview Wesley Pollard, and, and they both had said, you have to talk to Linda. You have to talk to Linda. And I went, all right, well, get me a, let's give me a number so I can reach out to Linda. <laughs> but Linda, uh, I don't think I told you this, but you're the fourth sister that we've interviewed. And I, I, I really appreciate you doing this. And we found out in doing, looking at some stats the other day on people that are watching the podcast, the majority of the listeners are women. And I really think that's due to the fact if you go into almost any congregation and if you do a count in there, count up all the people and then count the number of women, there will be more women in the audience than there will be men. And I think that we've got a lot of women that are listening because they are involved in leading others to Christ and they're wanting to learn from other men and women in particular how they're doing it. 
and, and things that they can do in their community. So again, it means so much to us that you uh, took this time to, uh, to be here today. We start out with what we call the old elevator pitch or the uh, a short bow. And if you would, just take a minute here and tell everyone uh, where you were born and what your career has been, when you obeyed the gospel, and just, just kind of bring everybody up to speed uh, about Linda. Okay. Well, um, my name is Linda Mercier, and I live in Beaumont, Texas. I was born here, reared here, went to school here. <laughs> I guess I've never been anywhere else, really. And I um, majored in medical technology, was in that career for about 40 years, working in mainly uh, hospitals here in Beaumont. I did a six-year stint in Lake Charles, Louisiana, uh, and then came back to Beaumont in 2006 and worked until I retired in 2017. So I want to take you back to... 1986. In 1986, I was working in my yard, in my flower bed, and a friend of mine who I had known in times past walked up to my yard where I was working and with my flowers and said, I have something I need to share with you. And that person was Wesley Pollard. So at first I was reluctant, hesitant, but he didn't give up. He was very persistent and he would leave tapes on my doorknobs. He would leave lessons, uh, books, study material for me. Mainly though, he said, we need to study the Bible. And so I finally agreed to do that after his persistence and calls. And it was a game changer for my life. It totally uh, changed the trajectory of my of my whole life. Uh, so we studied for probably the first six months. It was a detachment from my where I, the way I was living, but also learning that the Bible is more than just learning about maybe maybe this church is better than that church. It became a matter of learning that God has a plan. God actually has a plan and it is for everyone. And the center character in that plan is Jesus. And so I had to learn that his love for me caused him to do something that extraordinary, which was to give his life uh, for me. And my loyalty then had to be to him. So it became a matter of who was I going to listen to? Was I going to listen to my former pastor? Was I going to listen to tradition? Or was I going to listen to the truth? And John 8, 32 became the hallmark, you might say, of my life and uh, the center point of the studies that we had. Mainly what caught me was that in contrast to what I had been used to, I had a Baptist background and the preacher maybe give a scripture and then he would go off and talk about maybe something personal in his life. What I began to realize as I started visiting was that I was able to follow the uh, lessons in the Bible. I was able to take notes. I was able to go back and read my Bible and actually learn 
uh, what the scriptures actually teach. And it was understandable. It was logical. It, it followed a, a, a flow that points were made on a certain topic. And I was able to actually learn that way. And that became very important to me. Uh, so as a result of that, after a, a year study, and it took me a year to, because I had to let go of some things, then I obeyed the gospel uh, April 1st, would you believe, of 1987. And I would tell people, at, you know, in that time, I was like, okay, I fooled the devil. <laughs> well, uh, so April 1st is your new birthday. Is that, is that what you're yes, saying? It is. Yes, it is. It definitely is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's so many things that you said there and, and thank you for that. But, um, yeah, you said this when we were talking the other day too, of, of having and learning how to let go, to let go of those false teaching. And, uh, another phrase that you use that what it looked like, what it really looked like to follow Jesus compared to what you had been taught. And that's why we have to, you said it took about a year before you obeyed the gospel you know, and, and a lot of people need to, to hear that and remember that because it takes patience to teach. And especially with those that are they're struggling with issues. And I know I fought it. I just said, this can't be right. <laughs> and uh, and I, it took me a long time as well, Linda. And, uh, and I'm so thankful, and I know you are too, that people didn't give up with me after, you know, two or three weeks or something. But they, 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 they hung in there with you, right? That was the hallmark of Wesley and that that year uh, was that he did not give up. He was he persevered. He was so fervent in reaching out to people that he knew in his past life. And he I guess he had a list and I was on that list, thankfully. And uh, he came looking me up and he just would he did not give up. And I, I try to take that and use that in my life in reaching out to people with the gospel. It started with my family, if I can move on to that. Sure. And I had two sisters here in Beaumont, a sister who lived in Houston, and I have three brothers, but one brother we don't hear from, but I tried to reach out to my family, my, my parents at that time, because I said, oh, I found something. It was like a treasure, okay? And I said, if I can just show them what I've learned, they're going to get it. They're going to they're gonna hear this truth, and it's going to uh, it's gonna make so much sense. It's, it's just because they'll be able to read it for themselves. That became very important. So I started with my sisters, probably my mom, and my sisters obeyed the gospel that very year. Uh, two sisters, and... They were at a point in their lives where they were looking, seeking for the truth, and they were willing to listen and to examine what uh, the gospel teaches and compare it to what the tradition that they had been brought up in. And they saw the difference and they saw what God says about salvation and they obeyed it. My mom was probably my main person that at first, I have to tell you this, Daniel, she thought that I was, I, I didn't uh, love her or I thought she was this terrible person because I would go to her, their house after a lesson on Sunday and I would just share that with her. And all I wanted to do was just let her know what I had found. 
And I wanted her to know because I loved her. And she at first thought that it was, I, I, she just took it as if I didn't believe that she was this good person. And I said, no, mama, that's not it. I said, I just want you to, I just want you to know what I found. And so it took two years with my mom. But what happened in all of that, there were all these voices. You know, people come when a person starts learning the truth, all of a sudden there's all these people, other people who want to tell them they're okay where they are, uh, they're fine where they are. And she began to realize that every time we would have a discussion that I would just show her what the Bible said. And I said, mom, you can read this for yourself. I said, see what Jesus says, see what the Bible says about this topic or that topic, mainly salvation, mainly the, the church, mainly worship what that looks like according to the scriptures. And you can know these things is what I kept telling her for herself. And she saw it, but it took a while again, you know. Well, but, uh, you know, a couple of things there. And I told you I would try to do this in the interview. is to, And I love talking to, uh, to you and, and others because we all say things a little different. We're all teaching the same truth, mm-hmm. but our, our experiences have been different. Uh, how we came to understand the truth. You know, I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. You and I didn't didn't grow up in the church, to use the phrase that way, right? We grew up in a denomination. And the experiences that we've had are entirely different than someone that grew up where mom and dad were always members of the Church of Christ and grandma and grandpa were or whatever. So we do have different experiences and, and we need to share those with others. Two, one, two things I want to bring up that you said. Let's go all the way back to you were working in, was it a rose garden? Is that what it was? Where, oh, I just plant spring flowers. It could be flowers. anything okay. that would grow in the spring and summer. <laughs> okay. But just, just to think about this, because this came up. In fact, uh, you know uh, uh, Ben Lee, Benjamin Lee, right? Yes, I do. This came up. Benjamin was the first one that we interviewed in this series. So, But he was talking about, one of his stories, and, and, and this phrase came up, what if I'd never, and he went on, he, he just said it, and we went back to it, and I want to use it with what, so let's say that you, you know, go back to that day you were working out there in the flower bed, what if Wesley had you on his list, but what if he saw you out there and he just drove on by, what if he had never stopped to talk to you, and then what if you, in learning the truth, had never talked to your sisters? What if you had not taken the two years to teach your mom? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this whole, and, and we need to get, I think, more people thinking about that. We pray for opportunities. We pray that God will put people in our paths, and he does. And then yeah. sometimes we just walk right by them. Mm-hmm. And uh, might be somebody that works at, at Walmart or something uh, cashier, hand them a card or something, but uh, you know what I'm saying? So I, I just wanted to throw that out there and the voices that I like what you said there, the voices that people that start coming out and people hear, I really believe that's Satan. He, he doesn't want us to know the truth and he's going to try to snatch it away like the parable of the soils, that first seed, but so good, Linda. And, and thanks for sharing that. So I know that you're involved. I know that Dallin Road, I'm, I'm excited about what I'm learning about that congregation. 
uh, and talking to Max the other day, Max Dawson, he used a phrase. He said, well, we've got, I think he said, it's in our DNA or it's our culture to evangelism and to teach others. Tell everybody from your perspective, from a woman's perspective uh, uh, in that congregation, what's Dallin Road like? What's it like? Uh, well, yep. call it, I, I think of it as um, a teaching uh, institution, if I could say it that way. Sure, sure. Uh, because that's what's the, the that's what's very important. That's at the root of people learning the truth. If you don't teach them, they can't learn. And we are uh, bound and determined, I guess you might say, to share the gospel with people because of the if you don't, the consequences. Uh, it's kind of like you said, if Wesley had driv- driven by and hadn't stopped to share the gospel with me, I would still be lost. And that's the point. We have a lot of people around us who are, who are lost. They may be family, friends, coworkers, people, like you said, that we meet at the stores. I've just reached out to someone at the doctor's office. You know, I'm hoping to study with her. So you meet people all the time in all different circumstances. And even in the midst of this pandemic, you still have opportunities. It may be a little, look a little different, but you come in contact with people all the time in different circumstances. And, and so the whole thing is that if you, if you know about heaven, then you know about hell, right? Okay. So there is an eternal destination coming up for everybody. We have two choices. There's no, there's no third. There's no, you can't bow out of it. It, It's, it's, it's coming. So you're trying to get people to understand that God has a path that we have to get on and we have to stay on. And only he can provide that. Uh, Jesus is the only way. There's no uh, other person who can provide salvation for us. And so because of that, he has plainly taught us in his word what we need to do in order to obtain that gift. It is a gift, but we have to reach out for it. And so you're telling people that never mind what you may have been in for years or what you may, what your status may be in that. And as a woman in a congregation like this, it has been, I guess that's been the whole focus is that I no longer have to worry about practicing songs to sing in a choir. I can, I can sing with everybody. I can teach while I'm singing, which is, that's the thing that you're learning. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we worship the way we do? God has it all written out in his word and we can learn it and we can do it and we can help others, whether it's some, a brother or a sister in Christ who needs to be strengthened in their faith or someone in the fam- in my family who just needs to know the truth so that they can make that choice. Now you can't make the choice for them. It would, God doesn't force his gospel on anyone, but he tells us as his messengers to go out and teach. And I, and I truly believe that that's our main goal, our main purpose. Right. You know, I think uh, I, I want to play on that a second. 
because I, I think in some places this is misunderstood. They think the only messenger is the preacher. They think the only one that's responsible for evangelizing in the community is the preacher. And they might even say occasionally they say, well, the elders. Mm -hmm. But uh, and based on what you just said, and I believe the scriptures teach that all of us are special and we are part of this uh, royal priesthood. And all of us have the responsibility to proclaim the gospel, to to share the message. And uh, let, let's talk about that for a second, because we we all know that. Uh, in God's word, uh, as far as the, the organization of the church and worship, uh, there's different restrictions that God has in, in, the, in the plan. Uh, and let's talk about women for a second. We know the restrictions that they're there for what women can and can't do. But I'm afraid in some places, Linda, women have been, I want to use my words carefully, they, they've not been recognized. They've not been given the, uh, the I think, the God-given uh, opportunity to uh, to grow and work with a congregation, but there's a lot of things that women can do in evangelizing, isn't there? And and what I want you to do is share just just some thoughts. And I, I know this be just top of mind, but you've already said a couple of things of of uh, of what you as a woman and your sister and others that you work with. What can a woman do in evangelism in a congregation or in the community? Sure, it. it for for me, it it uh, started with uh, learning how to teach, and so what you what I was have been able to uh, have the I feel the privilege of uh, Wesley started a home Bible study with his wife in his home, and we did that for years. Every Monday night, we'd meet at their house, and we would study. We would study mainly basic teachings in the gospel salvation, uh, worship, uh, and then how to teach. So you had that personal strengthening of your faith and knowledge so that you could feel more confident uh, when you go out. Also pairing up with someone, uh, that's been the hallmark of what I've been able to do. If, if Wesley or Max or someone is studying with a woman, especially, they may ask me to sit in on the study and I've learned a lot just from sitting in on the study, just from sure. being a part of that study and, and helping to teach that person maybe. And then eventually teaching uh, in a Bible class uh, with the children is helpful because you're going to be going through the scriptures. When you, when you teach, you learn. And so you put yourself out there to teach. So that's been a part of, important part. But also we've uh, been encouraged to invite people just to come and see, kind of like Andrew with Peter, right? Okay, yeah. come and see. So you use the invitation cards because that's something that's easy. That's probably the easiest thing to do uh, with a stranger, someone you they don't know you, they don't know you, and you don't know them. But you can you can share a card, and you can say, "I just want you to come in here." And we try to follow the New Testament pattern and we want you to know about Jesus and he has a plan for you, whatever you might say. Uh, but the main thing is putting that card in their hands so that they have something tangible to connect back with that conversation. If, okay. it, it may be a very brief conversation, but it's something. All right. Very good. And you mentioned the uh, pairing up uh, and working, you know, the two by two. There was a reason 
Jesus sent out the 70 two by two and then sent out the 12 two by two, right? Because right. If, if we're out teaching together, uh, I might, if, if I'm, let's say I'm leading the study and, and I maybe somebody asks a question, and I might get stumped. I can look to you and you can help me. Or, or maybe if we're studying with somebody and I say, turn to first John three, and you can just tell they don't have a clue where first John is and you can help them uh, find it without embarrassing them. Or, or if you're studying with some, think about how many times this happens and you'll read a verse and you can tell they just have that, that glazed look over their eyes. There's words in that, in that scripture or scriptures that they just read. They don't know what those words mean. So if they don't know what the words mean, how can they understand what that scripture is even saying? So yeah, to be able to go out and work together. And like you say, you learn by teaching. I learned so much by teaching. Let's, let's do this real quick. Let's say my wife and I, my wife's name is, is Gay, short for Gaynell, uh, good Southern name, Gaynell. Uh, but let's say that we're not Christians and we're there in the Beaumont area and we show up one Sunday for services and, and we're coming in and you can tell we're lost and we don't know where to sit or where, what to do. Or, and uh, if we start having a conversation and you can tell that we're interested in spiritual things, what would you do? Would you try to, would you talk to us about setting up a study? Would you, how, how would you handle that, Linda? It depends on uh, when I met you during the course of the worship service. Okay, so when you're, if you're just coming in and this, we haven't quite started yet, I will probably invite you to sit with me. Okay, yeah. and so yeah. uh, that would be uh, maybe the first thing I would do. But if I meet you afterwards, then I will certainly uh, give you information. We usually have a packet that we hand to people and say, just fill this out so we can have some information about your visit and they'll fill it out. And then we'll have a phone number. We'll have contact information that we can reach out to them later. And then of course, on that packet, we have, if, if, you're, if you're interested in a, a study, you know, you check it off. And so they do that before they leave. So we have that information but we have a phone number we have a contact information and so that's that's good for follow-up but sometimes you may if like you said this this couple is interested in learning so that's an easy thing because you can go in the back and get a full lesson book and give it to them in their hand and set up a time and a date for a study you ask them you know what would be convenient for you well how what would work for you, especially now that I'm retired, I have more time. So I don't have to worry about my schedule. I can work on their schedule and it makes it there much easier. Go. But when it's working, you still could figure it out, you know. So there are different ways to do that and introduce them to other people, uh, okay. making them feel okay. comfortable in your, you know, in the congregation and in your set in your family. Uh, that's important too. That's so powerful that just everything that you said there, just to, to write that down. And I'm going to make those notes when I go back and listen to this. <laughs> uh, because that's like, that's like so many other things that we, that we do or talk about doing, Linda, is people, it's just not natural for some. They see a stranger, they, some people just turn and walk the other way because they don't know who that is. Or the, there's some strange people standing there. And, uh, but we have to. We have to learn how to approach people and how to hand them things and some things to some suggested things to say. And, and it's obviously that you guys do that there at, at Dallin Road. I know we're, we're about out of time. 
Could you tell us two things I want to try to cover? Could you tell us uh, maybe briefly about a conversion story that comes to mind? I know you talked about your mom and you talked about family and but is there maybe maybe one of those you want to talk a little bit more about or someone else that you studied with or you and somebody else and they obeyed the gospel and, and you just you just always think about them. There is a there is a, a, a person uh, and it was kind of an extraordinary situation. I had I had I had jury duty and uh, I went to the courthouse and I took my Bible in with me because sometimes there's just time. You know, and I, right. I, I don't always do that, but I did it this time. So this person, this lady saw me reading my Bible while we were waiting to be called in. And uh, she started asking me about what I was reading. And she uh, expressed an interest in a study. And believe it or not, we had a study that very day. She followed me back to the wow. church building. I call Wesley because I, I, I am not um, maybe uh, I'm trying to be more comfortable, especially meeting a person who's a total stranger and has some kind of, you know, in background about cold studies. I'll say it that way. Okay. Right. Uh, I'd rather if I can get someone in on the study to have a, someone with me, kind of like what you were saying. So if I come up, if I forget something or if I get where a verse is, they can help me. And sure. that, that's a that's a key thing to what I try to do. But this this person, I don't after just a few studies, she actually obeyed the gospel. And that was an that was one of those extraordinary situations uh, well, what, that uh, it's not yeah. a common thing. But no. Well, happened. but I think back. All right. Here I go again. What if what if when you were called to jury duty, you didn't take your Bible in with you? Yeah. It, that conversation where she would have maybe never said anything to you, but that became a conversation piece, just seeing you reading and seeing reading the book. And uh, yeah, it's just so many things like that, that we can learn. We always end the, the interview, Linda, with uh, being frustrated. There's not enough more time. No, that's not, but uh, we always, we always, <laughs> we always end the interview with, with what I call the one thing. Uh -huh. So let's say that somebody's listening to this today and, and, you know, and they've heard preachers talk about being involved in leading others to Christ. They've sung songs about lead me to some soul today or to the work to, and they've just never done it. But listening to Linda today, you know, they're, they're motivated. What would you say to that person? What is one thing that they could do or one thing that they could learn how to do to lead others to Christ? I guess their love for God and their love for that person. Good. Um, good. I, I, that's a good motivator for all of us. Oh yeah. To have, if we don't, if we don't love people and we don't realize that they're lost and have the love for that. soul, we'll never be involved in, in trying to lead others to Christ. Um, and you have to see people as souls in need of salvation and, and realizing that God has given them time. Why are you, why do you have that person in your sphere of influence? Right. You have an opportunity. Don't. And so you pray and then you act because you have to act. You, you, you it's not enough to just pray. You have to 
you have to be the okay. Let me tell you this little thing, and I, I hope I'm not taking too much time, but no, no. For instance, this guy's on a bus, right? Yes. And his old woman gets on the bus and he prays that she gets a seat. Right? Okay. Right. Okay. But he's sitting in a seat. And he prays that God will provide her with a seat. So he finally realizes that, oh, I guess if I get up, she'll have a seat. I could be the answer to my own prayer. <laughs> so we pray for lost people all the time, right? Family, friends, we, we want them to be saved, but we have to get in the, in the fray. We have to be willing to be a part of the answer, the solution that God will use us. This is his great and glorious plan for yes. us to be saved, for every person uh, to have that eternal life. So we have to be willing to be one of those soldiers in his army, uh, one of those disciples who's willing to, as Jesus told Peter, follow me. And so if he's willing to go to the cross for us, we have to be willing to open up our mouths and invite people to come in and see. Linda, I'm just uh, I'm so proud of you. And I don't even know, we haven't met. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to meet face to face one of these days. But uh, I'm so proud of you uh, agreeing to do the interview. And and we know we say this, uh, we try to say it every uh, episode, but we're talking about the Lord's work here. And whatever success we've had, we know we give him the glory because we, we are just sowing the seed. And he's the one that gives the increase. And, and we need to keep reminding each other of that. But we can all learn how to be better fish. It's like we can learn how to fish better. It's like, you know, going to all these classes to learn how to fish. And I never go to the lake or I never go to the pond. I never go fishing. So, uh, all right. Well, we, uh, again, thank you so much. And again, thank Brother Ruben there for uh, helping us and your sister for being there. And uh, it's just great. And I appreciate so much the work that, that all of you are doing there in, in Beaumont, Texas. So thanks again, sister. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.